You're listening to Spawn on Me on ESN.FM. to the Spawn of Me podcast. This is episode 56. My name is Khalif Adams. I am your host. I am joined this week and every week with Cicero Holmes, but he's not here. So that's what happens when Cicero's not here. I get to talk uh, with my other co-host, co-hostess with the mostest, uh, Sharif Jackson. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good, man. Just enjoying the weekend. Like the weather is getting slightly better here in the Midwest and, uh, you know, just moved, so there's a bunch of boxes and crates in the background, and, uh, <laughs> you know, just uh, getting ready to spend some time with our awesome guest. Yeah, man, I'm really excited for uh, for this gentleman that we have on today. Uh, we will get into that in one second, but we're going to do a little bit of house cleaning before we do that. Um, I wanted to give a big shout out and big thank you to everyone who listened to last week's show. We had two really ridiculously awesome guests. I wasn't on that show, so it was a little bit not as awesome as it should have been. No, I'm just joking. Wow. I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Cicero did an, Cicero did an amazing job um, hanging out with the czar and uh, Rich Grisham of uh, 2K and uh, Operation Sports' uh, pos- uh, Press Row podcast, respectively. Um, so they had like the most ridiculously crazy, like fun sports talk. And it was the funny thing was hearing the, the reaction to some of the listeners uh, the week, the week, this week was I didn't really like sports. I didn't want to talk about sports. And you guys don't talk about sports often. But when you do, I'm kind of into it. I was like, huh, that's not bad. I kind of dig that. I like that a lot. Um, so, so shout out to them. Uh, they did an amazing job. Uh, it was a lot of fun to listen to it. It's also weird to not be on a show and then listen to it the week afterward. <laughs> I was like, that's funky. That's weird. But, <clears throat> but it was great. Uh, so they did an awesome, awesome job. Um, and yeah, I think, I think everything was, was fairly good. Um, I wanted to give you a shout out too, really quick, Reef, since you're on the show this week. Uh, your gaming looks good videos have been off the chain, man. They have been so, so good. And I'm happy to see that they're getting, uh, the respect and the, and the, and the kudos that they rightly deserve. You've been doing an amazing job with that series and, and I'm so happy to see that it's going well. So. No, I, I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, I've I've been able to do, um, you know, so, sort of the big AAA games like Battlefield Hardline as well as like uh, Life is Strange and that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to looking at sort of race and gender in lots of different games, indie games, phone games, old school games. I like actually had some requests to do some older games uh like uh like uh San Andreas and that kind of stuff. So um yeah, it's 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 really interesting and I do think it's a, you know, it's sort of a place in gaming that we don't see a lot from the video side. Um, you know, so yeah, so gaminglooksgood.com, y'all. Check, check it out <laughs> look at you with that early morning plug damn early, plugs. early plugs in the morning like, yes doing this thing um so the reason why we're here today this makes me sound like i was about to start a print song <laughs> <laughs> it totally this thing that we call life <laughs> it, was, it was about to be that for a hot second um so i guess this week i met a really cool cat at GDC, someone whose game I really, really enjoyed uh, playing when it came out, and then came out again, and then came out again, and I was like, <laughs> and I was like, 
I I need to I need to see if there's a way to, to, to make this happen and see if we can get this this gentleman on the show. So uh was at GDC this year. Uh there was an awesome talk about uh a couple of different spaces uh and also talking about jumping from uh the the more indie I'm sorry from the from the triple a to indie side and uh that was that was one of the fun uh, really cool uh panels that i got to hang out and see and there was a gentleman on that panel who is with us today uh he made a, a game that you might have heard of called thomas was alone and now he's working on another game that we're going to talk about today uh mike bithel how are you doing sir i'm good i'm good that's a good intro i like it i, I try <laughs> yeah I try. No, that's cool that's cool that made me feel special no it's cool it's uh yeah, it's 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 good to be here with you guys. Like you're on the are you on the East Coast? Where I am. Well, I am in Portland. I was okay. on the East Coast. Reef is in the Midwest. Yep. Nice. Okay. Okay. So you're, you're for you. It's morning, right? Yeah. Yes. It's it's like okay. nine thirty or something. Yeah. Like that. Nice. Like I'm I'm about to get a pizza. That's that's why I'm <laughs> right now. It's, I, I'll be honest. Like I'm excited to talk to you guys, but I'm also very much aware of the pizza that is <laughs> on the horizon for me. Um, yeah. No. It's 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 cool to be on here, guys. It's uh, yeah. It's nice meeting you at GDC, and it's it's cool to be uh, talking to you in a longer format because yeah. at GDC you're always in a rush, aren't you? Always running somewhere and. Uh, yeah, it's it's like the Indy 500. It's like everyone is running and moving at <laughs> such a fast pace. It's so hard to nail people down. It's hard mm-hmm. to. I mean, it's it's weird too. It's like you have to run in, kind of do a sniper sniper shot, and get get people your information, <laughs> and then say, "Hey, I like you. You do cool stuff." Uh, I'm not a creeper. I'm sorry. I'm running away now, and then, <laughs> and, ho- and hope that they remember you. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Again, it is really, really cool to have you on uh, and have you hang out with us. Um, and I'm sorry for sending you an email thinking that you were going to be on at seven o'clock, <laughs> two o'clock in the morning. I forgot the amount of time change when I sent <laughs> okay. that initial okay. email. It uh, is, yeah, no, it's absolutely cool. <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh, um, oh yeah, I tape around seven. He was like, um, I'm sleeping. <laughs> it was like two o'clock in the morning about that time yeah i was like wow uh, yeah i was like oh time differences yeah that's that's the that that happens um mm-hmm. yeah so i think i think let's start off with um talking about your talks at gdc because you had a couple of them actually and i and, and i got to i didn't get to see the the one that you talked about polish but i but i checked it out in the gdc vault and it was really really interesting you talked about a lot of different stuff that i found correlates and, and kind of gives a better insight onto how you make your games and how you discuss and talk about your games in a way that i don't really hear often i guess one because i'm not in the space i'm not a dev i haven't I haven't really um made a game yet i'd like to that would be cool um but I think hearing the discussion about the small things, the small things that go into making a game awesome, the small things that make a game both fun and interesting, not only to the game, to, to the player, but to you as a person, because that's what we want to do when we talk to when we talk to folks on our show is like, I want to know how I want to know what makes you tick. I want to know what makes Mike Mike Bithel excited about making games. So, oh, God, cool. OK, let's do this. Let's I'll, yeah. I'll get on the couch. We'll have. Yes. Uh, yeah, 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 sort of. yeah, yeah. I, I have my Ph.D. in, in, in <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 let's get to the bottom of Mike Bithell. I want to know why. <laughs> this, is, this is useful to me. This is good. Yeah, I know you free therapy. <laughs> I, hey, therapy is, therapy is expensive. It <laughs> is these days. It is. I find yeah, I find guesting on podcasts much much more cost and time effective. 
approach to mental well-being. <laughs> That's hey, I totally get that. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so so there was a, a couple of touchstones that you that you hit on. That one, I, I guess, for folks who don't know you and don't have background on on you per se. Uh, one of the things I really found interesting was that you discussed that you used to that you used to be. I know you never really lose this, but you used to be a graphic designer. Mm-hmm. And and it's interesting to me because of the the, the games that, that you've made so far. Thomas was alone was a was a beautiful game aesthetically. It was it was, it was a great game to play. Thank and you. hearing that information gave me a totally different kind of spin on how that game looked and how that game felt to me. Um, can you kind of go into a little bit about how you as a graphic designer in that space, you know, you wearing both hats, how that kind of looks for you when you're looking at Thomas was alone, also Valium that's coming out your newest game soon. Um, and also looking at the space in general, as far as uh, game design and, and talking about, I know that's kind of a broad, a broad thing, but game design and just aesthetically how things kind of work in negative spaces, positive spaces and, and, and a little bit of that. So, I mean, the, th- the first thing to say is like all design, um, you're basically having exactly the same conversations, whether it's like, and the same thought processes. So it's whether it's like looking at, is this level fun and intuitive and does the player know what the hell they're meant to be doing? And does, you know, this layout on the page look decent or, you know, does this car work or, you know, (laughs) do people know where to go in the shopping mall, you know, from reading signs (laughs) and stuff like these are all, it's all the same kind of thought processes involved in all of them. So I think any kind of designer can take those skills and apply them to different you know, fields of design. So graphic design as a process, honestly, the goals are the same as game design. You're ultimately trying to create an experience, create a, um, you know, communicate, essentially communicate with someone who is, yeah, with graphic design, you're, you know, you may be trying to make them look at a magazine page or think a website looks good or whatever. With a game, you're trying to teach them how to play mechanics and get them through a space. Right. Um, so, so yeah, there's lots of crossover for Thomas was alone. Like basically the thought process was, I want to make a game and I can't draw. So, and I can't, I cannot afford an artist. There's no way I can afford to pay an artist. So, so, you know, what, what are the skills I have? What can I make work? So with that, it was, yeah, I can, I can make a rectangle look decent. I think in the, in the talk at GDC, I, I talked about like, like my job for about a year was to make a screenshot of a gun with some text next yeah. to it, look decent. Like that was my job. <laughs> that was all I did. Um, and I just kind of thought, well, if I make a game that's about rectangles, then I know how to make a rectangle look okay next to another rectangle. And like, I can get some color going there, you know, right. get, get stuff working and maybe write some, some dialogue or something. And I was like, that's actually like, that's less steps than I'm going to make a 3d photorealistic shooter. You know, like there's less steps involved in that process. Right. Uh, so that was the thing of, with Thomas with volume. Um, obviously, like you know, Thomas made money, so I had a budget for volume. I actually had some some cash I could spend. I could bring in a team of people to kind of make the game. But we're still limited. Like there's still there are still finite resources. You know, we're still working with a budget, which you know I always I always make the joke that volume costs about the same as a launch party for a triple A game. Like in total, that's that's the budget we're playing. With. We're working <laughs> much smaller scale. Um, so it, it, so every choice we've made aesthetically with volume is what can we, how can we get the most value out of, you know, uh, lower kind of quality stuff or, or less stuff or stuff that's more available right. to us. Um, I always use the analogy to like Kevin Smith with uh, Clerks. 
that he basically, he worked in a shop and he basically, all he had to do was have a scene at the start of the movie where he said, you know, oh, the, the shutter won't open. So they'd film it at night and he suddenly got a set that would cost a million dollars to have right. it somewhere. <laughs> like, and he's done that for free. And it's the same thing with volume. So volume was, okay, well, we're going to explain that this game takes place in like a virtual environment, uh, low res. We're going to have jokes about that. Like, like the AI who's making these levels, he knows he's not very good and he's constantly apologizing. <laughs> like I, we, we, were, we were doing some playtesting yesterday and, and, the, the playtester was running around a level and I was there with the level designers and I just noticed that there was a, a bed like floating above the level and I was like dude why is there a, like did you do that is that a bug or did you do he's like yeah no I put it I put it floating above the level I said why he said I thought it'd be funny I was like it is funny <laughs> so 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 now as when you get to that level in the in the game when we release it you know, you're going to have, you're going to load up the level and you're going to have a piece of text left by the AI saying, so I want to prepare you. There is, I did accidentally place a bed in the air. <laughs> and then, you know, throughout the level, it's going to be, I, the bed's coming up in a minute. You know, prepare yourself. It's on its way. I'm really sorry. Sorry. And then when you get to that bed, you're going to see a little piece of text underneath it just saying, you know, sorry. <laughs> you know, and, then, and, you, and, and playing up and like getting as much humor as we can from kind of intentionally, um, you know, messing around with a very small palette of things. Um, that's how we're kind of keeping the game in a budget that we can handle. Because, um, you know, low poly, low res art is reasonably achievable. Right. We have it's, he's a, the guy who's doing all of our environment art is a teacher. Um, he teaches art uh, at a university. He used to be a PlayStation 1 era 3D artist. So we're basically like his hobby Every weekend, you know, he'll put aside a few hours and he'll just go and kind of potter and make some, <laughs> some models like the old days. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we're, we're paying, I guess we're paying for like his family holiday and then we're getting back like all of this awesome like uh, PlayStation 1 era graphical skills nice. uh, that, that people really struggle with these days. And, and, and it just, it's, I love that kind of, there's so many people working on the game that are like that, that are kind of people who do other things, but actually there's one very specific thing they're very good at and you can bring them in for a little while. Sorry, I rambled way off course no, with your question. No, 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 that's awesome. Um, no. <laughs> no, 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 that, that is absolutely fine. And that part with the couch, cool. it actually reminds me of, one of my favorite parts in uh, Portal 2 when like Wheatley starts to design his own levels. Yeah. And they kind of have this real simple like, oh, uh, you know, like the apologizing and stuff. So I really think that mm -hmm. that's like a great addition um, to to um, this game. And I'm really looking forward to it, especially when I know like the humor from Thomas was alone from like the narrator. That was like I was dying like as I was playing. Oh, that's cool. Game. Yeah, we, we try and tread a fine line because we are trying to do a more kind of, I guess, grown-up's the wrong word, but like tonally the, the touchstone for us has been like the Marvel movies kind of mm. stuff that is fun and silly, but at the same time is like is like okay and you can get by on um and it's not it's not overwhelmingly uh, uh dramatic but it but there's stakes to it so that's what we're going for so we've got kind of this um you know this dramatic story going on but at the core you've got two friends who are getting to know each other and kind of taking the piss out of each other as they go and and, and that works quite well and that kind of hopefully um yeah gives a balance to it i'm a big believer like i hate uh hate it in games where 
we go for pathos, like from the first frame where it's like, bad thing has happened, bad thing has happened, bad <laughs> thing has happened, because you don't, you don't taste it. Like it's uh, sweet and sour. You need to have that kind of, you need to have some joy so you can, so you feel it. You know, yeah. Thomas was alone. We do all the dumb jokes and the silly stuff because when we have a sad moment, I want you to care about those characters yeah. and the way to your heart quickly is humor. Uh, so we do a similar thing in volume that there's a lot of, a lot of joking and cheekiness, you know, the, the two main characters, you know, uh, played by Danny Wallace playing the AI who was the narrator and Thomas was alone, Charlie McDonnell as the hero. They're both kind of comedy guys. They're both doing jokes, mm-hmm. which means that when Andy Serkis comes in and roars at you, and he's like <laughs> this angry, evil character, you're scared because we've got you into this kind of friendly <laughs> environment you know it's so it's it's yeah it's all about kind of balancing all that stuff out uh and and that's a nice get andy circus geez man that's yeah. crazy that's pretty cool right that's pretty cool yeah no it was um it was a weird one just kind of like basically wrote a list of like so you know who in a in a dream world who would i get for this part um and uh his name was at the top of the list basically so we could ask him he'd say no and then we could move on to the rest of the list like it just <laughs> i was like i so and yeah we just kind of got in touch with him i wrote him a letter basically like talking about how much you know i loved lord of the rings as a kid and how i owned his autobiography nice. how we made movie magic Gollum. um i owned that book and i was like <laughs> dude I, I i've i've been a fan for years and and we talked about the story and we talked about what his character was in that and and yeah, he, he was up for it. He had a free afternoon. Like he literally had just come off the set of Star Wars what? and he was on his way somewhere else. And we got like three hours in the gap to record all of his stuff. Oh, that's so cool. Um, so cool. So cool. Cause, and, and like, you know, obviously you try and maintain an air of professionalism, but I was there, I was there with my, <laughs> uh, my producer from Sony who amazingly really wanted to see the VO process the second he found out Andy Serkis. <laughs> uh, and, and we were like, yeah, we're in our break. And, you know, obviously you got to get, let the voice actor take a break so they can you know so they're not just talking incessantly for hours it you know hurts the throat and stuff um so we were all taking a break drinking water and i walk i, I just i think i i nipped to the bathroom or something. i walk back in and the sony producers i hear him like saying so how's star wars going and i'm like dude we're not meant to like <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not here to fanboy we have to work you know right. it's like and, and and andy circus is like yeah no it's, it's going well and jj's cool and blah. and it's like oh jj he said jj um yeah no, it was really cool it was, it was uh it was a lot a lot of fun and yeah he's a he's just a lovely guy to work with and yeah really supportive of the project and just yeah good people good people that's awesome uh, let's see. Wow, man, you're good. You're really good, man. Because I just, <laughs> this, this, <laughs> thank you. No, I think we should end the podcast there. That was it. That's, thank uh, you so much good. for that's being that's on the show. It was a great yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's funny because uh, we usually I I know we do a lot of prep before we have folks on, mm-hmm. and it's it's a weird segue, but I'll do it anyway, and I'll talk about my segue while I do it. Yeah. Cool. Um, this is already a horrible segue, by the way. Just thank just, you. Just to let you know. <laughs> I, see, the best segues call attention to the segues. <laughs> like the thing is, the thing is, it's seamless now. No one's going to notice. This. <laughs> yeah, I just need it's, the AI to come in and is like, "Hey, you see that bed floating over the top?" Of the- <laughs> <laughs> exactly that was right, that was yeah. your segue. You just you just fucked that up. It's it's interesting to hear you say the humor actually in the in, in the games that you've made, and it's it's something that I've noticed um, a lot. Not just in in Thomas, but also in 
you as a person like you have a great sense of humor uh it's it's very interesting as as a, a, a cat from the U.S. to see when you do your interviews and the interviews that I see also that you've done that that have been in your home country have been really fun to watch because people give you shit like randomly yeah. just give you shit. I've seen in the past like 48 hours a man try to kiss you, yeah. put a wig on your head. <laughs> yeah. Um, you were on an interview uh, that was labeled Piss Morning, which was funny as hell. Oh yeah, that's the uh, the uh, videogamer.com guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 it's weird. And it's not. It's it's funny to watch. It's hilarious. It's, awesome. <laughs> it's it's really great because it gives another insight into you. Um, you don't you take it very seriously, but you're having fun with all of this. I I really appreciate the fact that that's a part of how you are going into your work and how how it kind of reflects itself in the games that you play. Oh, the games you've made it also kind of gives me a tweak to think of how uh games in the u.s versus possibly games in in britain and europe are done and it seems to be both in the in the tone in the in the in the charm and in the 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 writing a very different kind of of touchstones that you guys touch upon do you feel like there there is a a significant or, or even tangible difference at least i can tell it that there might be some in the way that brits may make games in the way as a comparison to the way that folks in the u.s might make games um i think in that aspect the kind of the writing side of it i think there is a um there's a historical thing you know we have the the kind of yeah, British and American comedy have evolved almost separately. Like now, it's very easy to forget because we're all on the internet. We're all watching each other's stuff, right? right? Like, but like if you go back, like the stuff I was watching as a kid is going to be have been significantly different to the stuff you were watching as a kid. Totally. Like I, I remember watching. I think Friends made it over. Like I've seen <laughs> Friends, but like everything other than that, like a British stand-up, British kind of sitcoms, mm-hmm. uh, even movies. Actually, like there's there's a whole bunch of comedy that's very specific to us. You know. And, you know, British stuff kind of, you know, people like Terry Pratchett, people right. like, um, well, if, if just loads, loads of people like have, have defined kind of a, a national sense of humour. Um, shows like Blackadder, things like just right. a, a very, very British, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's that history that we have. Um, and yeah, there's the the, the, the British sense of humour is much more about being massively cruel than American <laughs> yes, humour. Absolutely. <laughs> like 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 the, the, the best way to know if a British person likes you is if they're insulting you to your face. <laughs> um, so so that I think that plays into it. In terms of actual like production methods, there's there there are differences. It's tough to say because obviously I've not made games as an American, right. so I don't I don't know. But when whenever I talk to kind of I think we take ourselves a little bit less seriously over here maybe <laughs> um because we kind of yeah we just i think i think i think there's the, the the key thing the really defining thing with british game dev is um we've always been the small guys over here mm. like in terms of like like obviously there's massive game like gta is made in scotland like don't get me wrong like we have you know we have big stuff here right the, the new batman games are all done here right. lego the lego games are all done here so we have that big AAA industry, but at the same time, I think we have this history of being the underdog, like in terms of, um, you know, making these small games. We were never Japan. We were never America. We've always been kind of yep. number three. And then, <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, after Canada, maybe number four, you know. Um, so I think that's built into our, there's like a, like a underdog status that we put on ourselves. And with the, as the indie stuff's come up, that's, 
been part of that. You know, we, we, I think it's been an evolution of that. So, you know, I'm going down the pub with kind of, you know, modern day indies and also people who were making like DOS games in the eighties that you've never heard of right? because they were British indie mm-hmm. scene as existed. It's not like with American indie stuff, like there is that history there, but it so quickly became big studios in the U S that like you kind of needed like braid and world of goo to kind of make that stuff fashionable again. Right. In Britain, it had been going since the eighties. Oh, it's just, it just, it took a little while for us to kind of catch up as well. So right. I think there's that history as well. There's that kind of, um, that kind of underdog status that we we all kind of have that we we kind of we we know we've not got the big bucks and and that means that there's that history there which has been which has been useful and interesting but again you know i i've not made games in america so i'm probably incredibly saying incredibly stupid things no i th- i mean i think i think it it comes comes across in the work and that's the reason why i noticed it and even asked that question because i it was something it's like uh, you know at least there's a conversation that, that happens. It's like, well, like self-deprecating humor is a thing that mm-hmm. I always felt was like a British touchstone as far as when you talk about mm. talk about humor. Like the humor we got when I was young that that was even anything even past American humor was Benny Hill. You know? Oh wow! Okay, okay. <laughs> like like I got Benny Hill when I was like way too young to watch Benny Hill. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is what, oh my goodness, that lady has no, almost no clothes on. This is like late, late at night. What is going on here, Benny, Benny Hill? Um, but, but it's that kind of like tongue-in-cheek and in, in cheeky humor that you, that you spoke about and that comes across yeah. in your games really well. We, well, in Britain, we don't, we don't celebrate the winners in, in kind of British culture, <laughs> like in terms of like, in terms of comedy, like it's 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 interesting. Like when I watch, like I don't know, like something like gangster rap, right? Mm-hmm. Like gangster rap is a is a musical form that is entirely devoted to boasting about how much money you have. <laughs> yes, uh, like that. Like, uh, uh, sorry, I should clarify. Like modern day gangster right. rap. Like, I know you go back. There's some great stuff, but it seems at least the stuff that we get over here, it's all about you know how many cars you have and yes. how many ladies like you and all this kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um. In in the UK, that wouldn't catch on. <laughs> like in the in the, in the UK, we, we have, you know, we have TV shows and music and everything. And that specifically are just about like insulting the kind of person who would boast about how many cars they have. <laughs> okay. Like there's in, in Britain, there's this cultural thing of, you know, stay in your place. Yes. Um, and, and that can, it's a, it's a, it's a double edged sword, but I think, yeah, a lot of our humor is about that. It's about laughing at authority and laughing at kind of people who are a little bit arrogant and as and as an arrogant man i find that very challenging on a day-to-day basis you know you arrogant bastard exactly, so, right? so you can't confirm that volume is going to have a gangster rap soundtrack like that's not what we're talking about <laughs> okay. it's i i you know i i've put the calls in but they've not they've not gone back to me and to be honest the game's out soon so like if they don't send me the tracks over then that's that's not going to happen we're not going to get that in time which which is obviously a disappointment to me. <laughs> do, do you happen to do? Because I was going to say, if you if you need someone to do some VO for that, I can I can do I can spit like two bars. You can spit two bars. So what we could do is we could take those two bars. We could just repeat. You just loop them around. I've listened to American pop music. You guys are into that. Let's take let's take those two bars and just repeat. That them. is pretty much. And we'll just that is the formula. That is a whole other discussion that we could totally have, yeah. which would be amazing. Yeah. I, that would be yeah. so no, great, I'm, actually. I'm, you know, I'm really glad that you brought up the uh, humor part, though, because one thing that really attracted me to Thomas Was Alone was mm. that I felt myself identifying with these blocks, you know? 
um, like specifically with the uh, character, you know, Claire, who was sort of like, oh, you know, I don't know about myself. And then she finds out that like she can float and like she's like, I'm a superhero. I must save everyone. Mm-hmm. And like I really kind of felt like that. Plus, like the like cynicism of Chris and sort of like the the arrogance of John. Like I found myself when I switched to like John, like, Hey, I'm going to jump over this gap. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this. And like, when I switched to like, to, to, to like Claire, I would say out loud, like, Hey, I'm Claire, jump on my back and I'll get you <laughs> across this. So like, I really, you know, like that kind of humor and the personality, um, to those, like I found myself identifying with them. And, mm-hmm. and I recently, I replayed the game on the, uh, Wii U, um, on the uh, gamepad actually. I, I like originally played it on the uh, PC and I had a great time kind of, you know, reintroducing myself to these c- characters. Um, I was really curious about sort of, if you could talk a little bit about your decision and experience to bring that to the Wii U, given, you know, the, low install base and all that stuff and what sort of your views are um, with the indie scene on uh, Nintendo uh, platforms. So it's an interesting one. I mean, like the first thing to say about Wii U um, is that indies are making money on there. Like it's, it's, it's something that I don't know if people kind of talk about enough, but like just from talking to friends, talking to colleagues and going, so how did your, your game, did it sell on the Wii U? Yeah, like that's like because because the thing is with the Wii U is that because um, there's not the 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 big third party support, right? Uh, it means that there's you know there, there there are spaces to kind of put games on those platforms. So a lot of people are doing very well on there, um, which is which is interesting and kind of not something that I think lots of people have noticed that indies like because it's you know it's a big open marketplace um with a very very engaged audience who really love the nintendo kind of developed games that are out there if you've got something that kind of suits that audience like thomas was alone or or like other games have done very well there, like it, it makes sense um in terms of like porting more generally like um it's honestly it's like the most cynical of business calls in every situation <laughs> you, you, like, you, you basically sit back and you go Okay, so it, I can pay someone to do a port for this game. Uh, it'll cost you know this many thousand dollars. Do I realistically think I'll make more than that right. from selling on there? Right. If it's more, then we do it, you know. And if if we think we're going to make our money back, then we we take it somewhere. Um, and and what's great is the more platforms Thomas Was Alone comes out on, the more um, visibility I get as a creator, and that the game gets. It just makes things easier with volume, you know volume when we launch volume and it's like you know from the creator of thomas was alone the more people who know what the hell thomas was alone is Mm -hmm. like that's gonna you know it's gonna be a big help to us um so yeah it's uh it's it's gone pretty well it's it's across the board we've done lots i think we've ported it pretty much to everything at this point um like we like the most recent one was we took it to wii u xbox one and ps4 and I really, really want to release this game on PS5, Xbox 2, <laughs> right, and, right. And, the, and the Nintendo, what they're calling it at the moment, NX, NX right? Yeah. Um, I, like, I, for me, it's a point of pride now that I just want to keep porting Thomas was alone to everything. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I, like, I think it's funny. I think it's really funny that this is a game that's like, that's, you know, every more, every more powerful machine that comes out, I want Thomas was alone there 
in its rectangular glory yes. um, <laughs> kind of supporting so yeah so it's 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 it, it's it's been fun doing and it's kind of helped fund volume and it's got the name out there so it's i mean it's a bit of a win-win. The only thing with porting is obviously you need the money up front to do the port. You know, that's the big challenge. And mm. But but different platform holders are getting better at kind of supporting developers. You know, you can go to someone uh, with a console and say, hey, I'm, you know, it's going to cost me this much money to bring my game out to your platform. Could you just give that money to me and then I'll do it? You know, that's a conversation you can have with these people if your game is kind of well-received elsewhere. So it's, it's just about slowly kind of doing that you know thomas was alone came out three years ago now so it's taken a while you know right to get there so so that means that that is confirmed that uh thomas will alone will be on apple watch at some point (laughs) (laughs) so it's like it's on iphone and ipad i think no actually i had a look at some of the watch stuff like the watch is not going to be a great platform (laughs) (laughs) nope i but maybe you know one day you know if uh, if if I if I see the opportunity I'm going to take hey, cool. it. Cool, like, come on, Mike Bithell. I, you can do it, Mike Bithell. I, I support you. I love you, man. You can do I, it, Mike Bithell. It's 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 your faith in me and your repetition of my full name that gives me <laughs> that gives me the belief that it's possible, and I thank you for that. If I only had known your middle name, it would just be that much more amazing. Like, if you. I have to keep it secret because that's where my magical powers derive from. Um, <laughs> if people found it out, then I'd be I'd be done. Oh my goodness, that's it. That's that's how we know. That's how we know it's yeah, going to happen. That's it. Um, so, so I want to jump back a quick second um, and talk a little about. There was a really cool thing that you just talked about that was about um, the mix of aesthetics and how that works into how your game is made as far as how th- how much development costs will, will, would be mm-hmm. um if you had your your way and you didn't have that restraint <laughs> if i have an infinite amount of money if you had all the money that your middle name possesses <laughs> what game what game would you kind of want to make uh, would you want to do that by yourself or would you or is there someone else that you'd like to do a collaborative effort with uh, a dev that you like or a game that you like that you'd want to do what would that game kind of look like for you so i mean i do honestly pretty much exactly what i'm doing right now in terms of finding cool talented people who who can basically do things better than me and then taking credit for their work on various podcasts. That's, that's the that's the dream. Um, <laughs> no, honestly, like my 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 honest answer to that question is, is I would do what I'm doing right now, just a slightly bigger scale. Um, I have I have these amazing people I'm working with. You know, lots of indies actually are working on volume as kind of to you know help pay their rent while they develop the thing they're developing, or you know maybe they've made an indie game and it's it's taking a while to come out or whatever we'll have them on volume for a month or two just to help us out and kind of, you know, get, get them through financially and, and, and steal some of their talent, you know? So I, I, I like that. <laughs> I like, I like doing these kind of ensemble efforts and kind of getting the people who are really good at specific things and bringing them together. Um, in terms of like dream collaborators. Wow. Um, I, I think one of the things that's been interesting with volume is, whenever we've gone and found someone who doesn't work in games, like normally, like someone who's not, you know, for whom this is the first game they've worked on. So I probably want to do right. more stuff like that, like work with, I don't know, some movie directors or, you know, more actors from like theater or, mm. or, or movies or whatever, or, you know, working with musicians is something, you know, I, I, I love my composer, David, but yeah, like going and, I don't know, working with like uh, someone who writes pop songs and just seeing what that turns into, you know? So it's like, it's like <laughs> genuinely finding, finding weird 
outside voices has been awesome on volume because we've got we've just got loads of people working on volume now who've never made a video game before oh, and wow. what, what and it's great because it just means it means that they come to the table with like this crazy skill set that right. like no one else has and i'm not talking about i'm not talking about like you know people who've just like you know 18 year olds you know who've never worked at anything i'm talking about like you know here's a director who works in tv is doing our cutscenes because she's got all of this ability of, of doing, you know, of directing storytelling, uh, but has never put together a three minute cutscene for a video game. So it's like, let's grab her and, and see what she can do. And, you know, um, and finding, you know, writers and, uh, you know, I've had some story consultants on, I've had game design consultants who are journalists, you know, I've had lots of different, loads of different people from all different walks of life. And it just means that we get so many so many more interesting things out of it than just me on my own could do um and yeah that's so i I just continue to do that and continue to develop in that way and just enjoy the freedom that the finances would give me to reach that weird more and more (laughs) weird people um weird weird in a different way to me that's awesome uh you had any any other stuff on on plate yeah, yeah. So um, I saw a um, interview that uh, that um, you gave on a YouTube with uh, Bunny Hop. Bunny Hop. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you mentioned the creative process of sort of throwing all the cool stuff that you can think of in a box, and then sort of carving your game out of mm-hmm. that. So like sort of the subtractive method, as opposed to sort of you know getting into maybe some analysis paralysis of deciding what goes in. Um, I was like wondering, you know, obviously one of the cons of doing that is, you know, spending, I guess, a lot of upfront time um, and possibly like, you know, like resources, whether it's money or time or like Mm -hmm. whatever. So I was really curious as to, you know, do you have sort of a cue or a feeling of when you're adding too much and it's and, and, and there's and and it's the time to start carving things away? Um, I think there's just this kind of point where where you hit that equilibrium. Like especially with volume, it was interesting because it's such a because um, stealth is such a hard game to prototype. Like stealth requires so mm-hmm. many moving parts to be working simultaneously. Like it was a good six months of development before we knew whether volume was <laughs> fun or not. Like like before we knew like there's actually gameplay and interaction there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's 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 so so it's it's tough. It's tough to know when that line's been crossed. With Thomas was alone, it was it was something that you didn't. I didn't realize at the time. Like I was just kept adding stuff, and then you know a few months pass, and, you're, and I was looking at Thomas was alone with like realistic weather <laughs> systems and, and 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 fog, and genuinely like you know lighting. And I was like. I lost track at some point of what this was. Like right, this isn't right. like this this doesn't work. So you then you just start deleting. So it's never something you never sit back on the day that you've added too much and go, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna whittle this down. It's always like a, a few months down the line, you're like, Oh boy, what did I what was right. I thinking? Why did I go down this road? Um so yeah, it's wasteful. Um but then, you know, I, I think unless you're making something that's completely defined by a genre, like completely we are making, you know, a clone or we're making this game but with a different twist, then you kind of have to waste a bit of time. You have to explore those routes and, and be okay with it when you have to delete something because otherwise you end up with games where you release something and you're like, that mechanic's just not fun, you know. Whereas I, I can honestly say, like, in volume, like, we've removed stuff that wasn't working. If, if a mechanic wasn't giving us five levels of interesting puzzles... It's gone, you know. Right. Um, we've we've removed various things from the game, and 
and in most cases replace them with something better and sometimes just like oh yeah that's not the game anymore <laughs> screw it and then similarly like if something's a bit too challenging like if there's <clears throat> if there's something that would require a couple of weeks worth of ai fixes that would break everything then we'll go yeah that's not that's not going to happen in this game that's a it's an idea to put on the shelf for you know if we ever do a sequel or something you know like it's or for the next game that's got nothing to do with this you know like it's 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 been fun kind of you know whittling that down but yeah it's it is a wasteful process by its very nature there's no there's no way of avoiding that yeah yeah so 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 speaking of like sort of having to leave things out is there anything sort of in your recent game development career that you've had to leave out that you really wish like man i really wish i could have had that in there i think one thing with volume that i would have liked um, and I'd love to explore at some point, is we've not really got any mechanics that change the level layout because, you know, changing level layout around time, you know, so things like, you know, knocking down a wall or doing something that has a big effect on AI, you've got to recalculate a lot of things. So it's something we kind of shied away from. Um, we don't have doors in that sense. You know, we don't have, we have, we have force fields that can be, it, they're effectively doors, but they're not. So it's things like that that kind of, that if I ever get a chance to do another stealth game, I will, I'll go back into and, and experiment with. Um, but yeah, that's the, that's the most recent one I can think of of something where we just had to basically go, we would spend a month trying to solve this problem and we're not convinced that it's going to lead yeah. to better gameplay. So you got to step away. Um, but it's definitely on the list of things I want to do at some point. Um, let's see. So Valium... For the folks who don't know, if you'd like to give uh, the the listeners at home a, a overview, a rundown of what your new game is going to be and, and, and what it what it entails, uh, so it's a stealth game. It's kind of an old school kind of um, puzzly arcadey stealth game. It's not it's not a game about vagueness. It's very specific. Like you're either in their vision cones or you're not. You know, you're in danger or you're not. They can hear you or they can't. It's very binary. Um, I guess kind of visually most resembles kind of Metal Gear VR missions, kind of very kind of clean aesthetic, kind of just communicating exactly what's going on. Um, and yeah, it's that basically from a gameplay point of view. Uh, we foolishly decided to do 100 <laughs> levels, so we ended up with a game that is hours <laughs> long. Like the original plan was like genuinely the story of the game makes constant reference to the fact that the game takes place over three hours. Like the characters are literally constantly going, oh, only two hours left, oh, only an hour and a half left. And, and what happened was the game is basically about 10 hours long now. Um, so, so we have this kind of, you know, like the, the countdown clock on the bomb in the movie where it's like, just, you're like, I'm pretty sure four hours have passed and that character just said it was half an hour since we got here. I don't, I don't fully understand, but that's fine. Um, so it's, it's quite, an, quite a massive game. And then on top of that, um, because of the way I wanted to make this one, uh, it comes with a, the level editor that we used. So people are going to be able to make their own maps, share those on our servers, rate you know talk talk about those maps and and you know hopefully this becomes kind of a platform for people just to make their own stealth missions if they're if you've ever played a kind of a, a stealth game and gone oh, i'd love to work make a room you know i'd love to make a challenge a stealth challenge uh hopefully volumes the game that you're gonna be able to do that in um in a really intuitive way it works like it's super fast it's the it's the tool we use so it mean we've made it like good enough <laughs> that our level designers can make levels quickly um so it's gonna be quite fun putting that in players hands and seeing how they react yeah it was i, I saw a rundown on gdc there was some gameplay that that was out there and I, I didn't get a chance to play and get hands on but from what i saw of everything one it looks amazing i remember when the first couple of trail uh, the, the 
the quick snippets and trailers that came out um, were out, and I was like, wow, this is a really interesting kind of take on the the top down stealth uh, uh, gameplay, and it feels like you've added all these really interesting. Um, kind of tweaks to, to that with adding like uh, abilities and, and I guess powers that you just call, call them to a certain extent mm-hmm. that kind of give you an advantage over the AI. And, I, and, and it was yeah. interesting to see some of that. Can you go into a little bit of that as well? Yes. I mean, the big thing was, was I decided really early on, it's not a big political statement. It's, it was a gameplay thing that like every self game I've played, I've only ever, I've completed every mission by snapping everyone's neck. Like it's, that's how every self game works, right? right? You, yep. you go into a level, you work out who you can get behind, you bop them on the back of the head, you work your way around the room, right? Yep. Um, and I realized that I was just finishing all these stealth games with like a bag of these cool Mission Impossible gadgets that the designers obviously assumed I would at some point have a go with, but I didn't care because I've bopped everyone on the back of the head and I'm happy. Um, so the idea was remove that, remove that, so we, we you can't kill an enemy in the game. You, you have to use the gadgets. So yeah, in order to make that fun, we had to make those really interesting and, and powerful and clever. So yeah, you have... Uh, throwable noisemakers, you have, um, you know, disguises you can put on, you can go invisible, you can get this super speed kind of sprint ability. We, we have a bunch of these different gadgets, then a bunch of environmental interactions, so things like hiding in lockers, jumping over walls, you know, stuff that, stuff that you would expect from other stealth games is in there as well. Um, so, yeah, it's really about creating an experience that makes you feel clever that you can never kill anyone uh but you if you're good you can get you can get around a level move quickly solve the puzzles and just feel like the best thief ever you know yeah yeah one thing that i noticed in that footage was that i noticed that the character was actually going in division cones and at first i was like they can't be messing up in the trailer. So this has to be for a reason. <laughs> and then as I watch more of it, you're actually using the vision cones to manipulate the enemy to do one thing. And, th- and then you use a gadget or that like copy of yourself to go run off or like, so I've never honestly seen a stealth game like that that actually encourages you to use the vision cones to solve the uh, puzzles because n- normally in like Metal Gear Solid fashion, once that vision cone hits, like the question mark comes over their head and it's, you know, minutes of you hiding or whatever like that, you know? Yeah. So, so well, we, we, yeah, we wanted to be about crowd control and, and I mean, I must admit like when we first started, this is an example of the kind of changes that happen while you're making a game. When we first started, like we were totally going down that road. We were totally going to make it the, you know, if you're seen, game over or if you're seen like they're going to kill you instantly right and what we realized was the more we allowed the player to kind of react and use being caught as a mechanic so kind of you know getting someone's attention having them chase you through a trap for example something like that like the more we did stuff like that the more um options became available and the cleverer you felt and also the more you could deal with problems you know when you mess up in a stealth game I want you to be able sometimes to just kind of just get away with it or turn that around to your advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do a lot of stuff like that. Um, we, uh, yeah, we didn't, we didn't, we were originally thinking like, oh, this is going to be a ghost mode game, basically, that you're going to really want to get people to never be seen. Um, but we very quickly realized that actually, if we play with that middle ground where you're sometimes being seen and sometimes doing it on purpose, more more interesting levels come out of it and we can do more with it gameplay wise but don't get me wrong like if you stay in their vision cones for long enough you're going to get massacred like and, <laughs> and different and different guards have different you know we have 
we have guards who are like our kind of our standard guard. He'll aim at you and it'll take him a couple of seconds to take his shot. So if you can move quickly, you can get away with it. Um, then we have kind of, we have uh, uh, the knights who literally will melee, will run at you and melee attack you if they see you. So they're kind of, you can't, you can't, they move far faster than you. So they're kind of the impossible objects. But later on, you work out ways to actually even use their speed against them. And, you know, so you, so hopefully it's always this kind of, we, we disempower you by making you vulnerable and making them invulnerable, but actually we mechanically give you lots of tools which allow you to kind of play the environment. So I'm, I'm hoping we're in the right place there. We're, 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 we're in the middle of playtesting and, and people are getting it and people are kind of getting really clever with the systems and, and having a good time, I think. At least it looks like they are. Awesome. Nice. Awesome. So what we're going to do really quickly is we're going to stealth our way into our music break. Uh, nice. We're gonna we're gonna do that in one second, uh, folks. This is the Spawnomy episode, Spawnomy podcast episode fifty six. Uh, we're hanging out with the dopeness that is Mike Bithel. So we're gonna be right back right after this, and we'll see you right after the break. This is episode 56 of the Spawn of Me podcast. Uh, we have a really different kind of song this week. It is something that is um, a little bit out of our range. I wouldn't say out of our range because we're, we're eclectic people on this show. We do a lot of cool stuff. Um, this is actually from a dude that I saw on YouTube who goes by the name of Sorry About Your Cats. Um, oh, okay. And the reason I like him is because he basically does mashups live of songs via sound shapes. So he did a mashup of Dead Mouse Alluring. Oh, well, it's called Dead Mouse Alluring Grandma, which is is freaking awesome. Um, I really like it, and I hope you liked it too. Uh, but we're here. 
this week again with Mike Bithel, uh, maker of Thomas Was Alone, and then his newest game that should be coming out fairly soon, hopefully, so we can all play it and talk about it and then have him back on the show again because he's awesome. Um, <laughs> volume. Uh, so we, we jumped out uh, right before the music break and, and had a had a couple of discussions about a couple of things. Um, I think uh, what I wanted to ask was about your AI uh, because mm. AI in volume is 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 kind of one of the big things in there. You need <laughs> yeah. that to you need that to work really well for for your game to to work, especially in a stealth game. Um, and uh, there's been a conversation that's happening in in gaming right now, especially around games like Bloodborne. So you have Bloodborne, which is a game that is extremely difficult. It's part of the Souls. Uh, kind of franchises and, and, and IP to a certain extent. And folks have been like, games are too hard that come out like this. Uh, your, game's, your game is definitely not a Souls game, but it deals in that same kind of realm of like, how difficult do you make your game? How hard do you make the, the systems that work against the player to make the game balanced out to be fun, but also challenging? Can You talked a little bit about that before the break, but can you go into some more detail? I heard you say in one of the interviews you did, I think it was at the GDC uh, playtest, where you were talking about how you had to kind of dumb some of the AI down to mm. make the game a little bit better and playable. Um, can you go into some of that too? Yeah, so I mean, I mean, that's it. Really comes down to. I mean, I've not played Bloodborne yet, so I'm, I'm not. I'll, I'll be. I won't comment too much on that. But basically, you've got two options with difficulty. Either you make the kind of game. Uh, where there is variable skill in terms of how the player can can do things. So essentially, like, you know, a game like Bloodborne, you're hitting stuff, right? Basically, you're hitting stuff, you're avoiding attacks, you're mm-hmm. you're you're playing the, the space you're in, right? Um, right. Now, that's something that there's a lot of gradation to how good you can be at that, like in terms of your reflex time, in terms of your tactical awareness of each enemy's abilities. In theory... Uh, in Bloodborne, once you know, you know what uh, what an attack pattern is, know what your abilities are, know what your ga- gadgets are, it's still tough. But that should you should be able to hit kind of a pretty standard difficulty level where where you feel safe if you're doing the right thing and you understand how everything works, um, which is fine. What what's better for and easier? Sorry, is a better word than better for for us uh, is with puzzle games is that. Uh, a puzzle you either get it or you don't like a puzzle game like you either know how to get through the next bit or you don't um and if you know how to get through something the act of of getting through it should not punish you too much uh it's something mm. the portal does really okay is, is like the game takes place in your head in the planning like you basically go if i put a portal there and a portal there then i can get through this level and then, and basically, that's the whole game. Like it just, it's just how are you learning over the course of the game, like how you can place portals in order to get through a level. So volume, right. we treat it the same way. Volume, you load up a level, uh, you have your objective. Your objective is very clear, and you sit there and you think, and you think, well, if I do this, then that's going to allow me to get through there. And right. obviously, we train you up with that throughout the game. So yeah, if you tried to play the last level of volume off the bat it would destroy you because you'd have no idea what's going on. But, with, yeah. but by working through, we've we've hopefully kind of trained you through the course of the game. The whole game's a tutorial, right? For every mm-hmm. later level that we kind of build you up in those skills. So right. the actual act of like, of then you know following through on that plan and getting into the level and just doing the thing that you have to plan for, honestly, there's no, um, there's no difficulty there because it's, it's pretty smooth and it's, 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 it's logical that you can do it. 
you get good at the game by learning how the game systems work. And the game systems work um, incredibly predictably. So the dumbing down comment, that's mm-hmm. specifically in reference to uh, when we were making the AIs, we put a bit of randomness in them. Like we would yes. have, like, you wouldn't know what they were going to do. Sometimes they're going to turn left. Sometimes they're going to turn right. Oh, you interesting. Know, maybe, maybe they'll do this. We tried that. It was awful. Um, the reason it was awful was because you felt <laughs> the game was cheating. Like yeah. if, you, if you played the level through and you were like, if I get a noise over there, he'll go over there. And right. one in three times, he sort of doesn't or he goes somewhere else, or he turns around a bit faster, then that just immediately frustrates you because yeah. the systems that you've learned are betraying you, right? Yeah, That's not difficulty, that's that's a cruel game. Uh, so mm. for volume, it always became about making sure that basically uh, the difficulty is in your thought process, is just in working out how to solve it. Um, the act of doing it, things can go wrong because you have so many mo- interacting kind of systems that, that you will not be able to predict a scenario. But the key thing for us is when you get killed in the game, you look at the scene and we actually slow down time and, and give you a view of the world. Like, you know exactly what happened. You know where you went wrong and you're already working out how you can solve it the next time around. And then we have mm-hmm. no reload time. So you can get right back into it and just... I think our reload time right now is about 0.2 milliseconds, uh, which which I'm okay with. I can live with that. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's fine. That's fine. Um so yeah, so it's it's about kind of you're, you're going to die a lot, but hopefully through that repetition, you're going to learn how to get through, and it doesn't feel hard because it's it's you're refining your plan, uh, and we're very good with checkpointing as well, so you don't have to repeat big chunks. That's something we found in playtesting was the second like um, a, a potential death was like a minute away from a checkpoint, just frustrated the hell out of any player. Like they're just like. I worked for this. I got past that first bit that was difficult. I'm now at this point and I died. I have to go back and redo that, that, that first moment that was difficult. No. So everything now checkpointed throughout so that you're never, you're always risking about 30 seconds of gameplay. Like you're never, you're never so far ahead of the last checkpoint that it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a fear because you know that if you die, you're going to go back a little bit, but you're going to be able to kind of step up your game and work through the level. So I think with difficulty wise, we're pretty pretty okay. Uh, there are no difficulty levels in volume. It's something I wanted to avoid. You can't make the game more harder or easier. There is the system as it exists and and, and the puzzle for you to solve. Um, we're going to see how that plays out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I I think that that is very interesting because one thing I liked about Thomas was alone was you kind of had these subtle hints of what to do it was like just enough for mm-hmm. you to figure out a, a puzzle so that you were still you know excited and felt appropriately challenged when you got to the end you know so so yeah, yeah I'm, like i'm very glad to see that like mentality um continuing with the volume um so that's I what we're to, trying for yeah um so i want to ask you a, a question about Hardcore politics? No, no, I'm I'm just kidding. Um, so so um so I read a um interview with you where like you t- talk about how like sort of the normal kind of dystopian thing is about like a corporation taking over the world, but you mentioned that the corporation, I guess, in this game is really about sort of British family values, and that you kind of <laughs> see how like modern British politics you know, are like kind of influencing, you know, the um, development and the personalities of the game. I was really curious if like you could expound a little bit on that because, you know, obviously as Americans, you know, we don't know sort of the ins and outs of that or I, I don't. I'll, I'll yeah, so I mean, for myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so the British family values is very much in quotation marks in that yes. quote. Like it's, 
Like it's yeah, there's 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 a lot of going on in British politics right now. We have and Europe in general, we have kind of the rise of some pretty scary kind of right wing people in politics, like uh, mm. working their way through the system, um, and, and and various other things that are kind of you know the, the kind of a reaction to um, you know basically a reaction to better treatment of people from ethnic minorities or with mm. differing sexualities and all this stuff. And there's a, you know, we're seeing this manifest in many ways across the world, right? This kind of, this cultural backlash to actually, we quite liked it when people who looked and sounded a lot like we were in charge, <laughs> like that was, <laughs> like that was, that was easier. Um, <laughs> so I think a lot, so I think there's, there's definitely something, something to be said about that, kind of rise of and that's that's what's scary to me now in terms of if i look at like a political um scary future i'm not seeing the kind of orwellian future i'm seeing kind of a continuation of where the world's at now um oh, you know or well Orwell's writing about his fears at his time i'm not comparing myself to Orwell. he's a much better writer <laughs> uh, but but like yeah i think i think you've got to talk about the the issues of your day the other thing with volume is because it's set it's based on kind of the robin hood legend um <clears throat> the game kind of talks about what those medieval stories have to do with modern world you know and and, and how that you know how, how you take a medieval idea of what a hero is and make that work in 2015 that's something that's very interesting to me so we'll see we'll see how it goes down i i'm very cautious about talking about like the meaning of my game because like because <laughs> like who or who wants to know what my opinion is right like, i want to know what that is no, that's totally no, what i want no, well, no, i want to read i want to read the thought pieces i want to yeah, read what other people think when it comes out you know? yeah i think of it more as the influences not really the meaning you know it's like background yeah info. So, yeah. I mean, that's it. It's for me, like, you know, the last two years, have, there's been some interesting politics happening across the world. And, and I, I, I play the game now and I see, like, you know, little bits of text or, like, a line of dialogue from a character. I'm like, I must have written that, like, just after that news story happened. Like, that, <laughs> that's, like, like I, can, I can see that influence happening. But um, I've also tried, like, it's, a, it's an entertaining video game, first and foremost, like, or at least I hope it is. Like, it's not... It's not a big political diatribe. There's there's much better equipped people to do that than me. Like I'm not the guy who's going to write that. Um, but but yeah, everything's everything gets in. Everything gets in. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's one of the. Awesome. I think that's the reason why that that kind of quote popped out to both of us, and we were like, I I know that this is not what that game is is, is going for or trying to be about. But you as a person is we find that we find interesting of seeing that that being a part of a, a part of the conversation in your own head is really interesting, yeah. and, and 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 we dig that. It doesn't um, matter if it's if it's something that no one notices in the game. That's cool. It's still a bit of texture, right? It's still a bit of uh, a thought process behind it. Yeah, yeah. And, and 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 that's one of the points of you know this platform is games don't exist in a vacuum. Like there are other things mm-hmm. that influence both the people making the games and the games themselves. So it's very totally, totally, totally. So Mike Bithel, yes, we're about to let you go. You have food to eat and things. I, I heard to do. an oven open to my right. <laughs> oh my excited. god! It's uh, yeah, it's it's time for me to go and eat pizza. I think absolutely, absolutely. Awesome. It was great. It was great talking to you. Absolutely yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, so if you wanted to let folks know uh, where they could find you, I know that you are on that thing called Twitter somewhere on I the am. internet. I am. Uh, you're on there, and I know that you also have a game coming out. If, I know you don't have a release date yet, but you know, broad, broad, broad strokes of when maybe we might be able to see it and play it. 
Cool. So the Twitter plug is uh, at uh, Mike Biffle. Uh, Mike, exactly how you think it's spelled, followed by Biffle, B-I-T-H-E-L-L. Um, and then the game is volume. That's out next year. Uh, sorry, not next year. This year. <laughs> and we'll, we'll see how today goes, right? I've got to keep coding. We'll see. Um, but it's out. It's out this year. Yeah. Um, getting closer. I'm not quite ready to say the date yet, but like we're we're getting very close now. Um, so yeah, please uh, check it out and uh, yeah, say hello on Twitter if you hear this. And yeah, thanks for your time, guys. It's been great. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for being on and hanging out with us. We really, really appreciate it. Hey, no worries. Cool. Speak to you soon. So, wow, that was that was an awesome joint there, man. Mike Bithel's pretty dope, right? Yeah, he uh, came through with the knowledge, man, and definitely schooled us on British development, British politics, gangster rap, everything. <laughs> we got it all. So, so this is great because we got Sessler to talk about rap. We got Bithel to talk about rap, man. We We are doing it, man. I mean, we're we're trying to you know give give folks a, a, a other side, a different side of what these devs are bringing to the table because that's the that's the beauty of it, right? Is like we think about folks in these ways of kind of putting them on you know if if they have a game that we really like, putting them on these kind of platforms that we that we don't recognize that we do, um, but they're just normal folks, they're just normal cats and just hanging out and they have likes and dislikes and it's it's also good to also hear. Just some of those things come through. That that the question about the, the 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 political climate in Britain was was really interesting to kind of dig into, which I, I thought was kind of fun. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I love hearing about influences like that and I also love hearing about the trade offs like like when like he was talking about like the AI, you know, and like that kind of stuff because any kind of programming, you know, I'm not a game programmer, but I program, you know, in like SQL with databases and stuff during my day mm-hmm. job. And it's all about trade-offs. <laughs> like, like, like you, you can never get what you want as fast as you want with, you know, the lowest price or whatever. You always have to trade off. So I love hearing about that from the game perspective. Yeah, it's 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 good. I, I really really appreciate when you can have those th- those things because then when you play the game later on, you're like, oh, that's what that was, and that's mm-hmm. how that turned into that, and that's why that part became this important in the game. And so it was great. So I'm I'm happy we had Mike on. Mike is really dope. I hope to have him on again. We can talk about politics and rap. It's <laughs> <laughs> yes. it's talk, talk about that kind of stuff the next time. But uh, we're gonna boogie on to the rest of the show. Um, and I guess we'll talk a little bit about what we've been playing this week. I know I've been playing a bunch of stuff uh, randomly and in different ways uh, on different platforms. Um, uh, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Um, I'll go first since I'm the best. Um, <laughs> I, I've been playing a lot of a game that you've been extolling the virtues of for a while now. Um, so Ali Ali won recently came out on Nintendo platforms and it's one of their not their first but like one, one of I think their most high profile cross buy um, options where if you buy it on the Wii U or the 3DS then you get the other one free um, so it's good to see them getting in that model and even though I had it on the PS4 it's one of those games that I would play more of on mobile so mm-hmm. the fact that I had this game on my 3DS and like, I know that you've had it on the Vita like playing it during my lunch breaks at work it is incredible. It's, it's so a good. really, really fun game to play in short bursts. It has like sort of the great mix of complexity, you know, like there's always that, oh, if I could just pull off this trick, I can get some more points, you know? It's mm-hmm. it's really cool. Like the levels are the perfect length. There's like a good amount of like sort of like humor. I mean, I've had some times where I've literally 
I fell and tumbled for like, you know, a good 10 to 15 <laughs> seconds. Um, and then w- with the release of Ali Ali 2 on uh, PlayStation Plus, I've been playing that as well. So because I'm new to Ali Ali, just seeing the differences between one and two has been really interesting. Um, so I've been playing a lot of both of those, you know. Um, do do like you have any comments on sort of the differences between those two and like what you've seen? Um, I mean, the the weird thing is, so Ali Ali one, you know, when you go into a game, you don't have any expectations. You're trying to figure out exactly what you want that game, or, or you you go into it trying to figure out what that game brings to the table that though that genre of game hasn't done before. I was a huge fan of Skate and and, and stuff like that, so, and I knew it wasn't going to be that game because of the the format and the platform that it was on. But the thing that really surprised me when I first played Ali was the soundtrack. Yes. The soundtrack on Ali Ali One is one of the best soundtracks I've ever heard in a game by by far, bar none. Um, the the mechanics were really good. It felt it was interesting too because it played. I think they had it on both um, PS4 and Vita. I think they had that on uh, both platforms. The first game, and I remember playing it on my Vita. And it being a way better experience on that platform than it was on my actual big console because of the way that the sticks and the nubs on the um, the Vita felt in comparison to the ones on the PS4. It's just a shorter throw, so it's like the sticks don't have to move that far and they're not that big. So it just makes it a little bit easier to kind of um, do the tricks and everything. Ali Ali 2, on the other hand, adds all these small little tweaks to the gameplay that change it in lots of different ways. So it's like you can do manuals now. Um, they have these like weird little small jumps that you can use to kind of jump off and, and get more height when you, when you move. It, it, it feels like they figured out a way to refine a game that was was already good and make it better but also kind of stay true to what what they tried to do in the first game so uh the folks at roll seven i i always and consistently talk about how good i how good those games are so i'm happy to hear that you're really enjoying it too now and that you've like kind of found your spot in it so that's pretty dope yeah i really am man like this has been my sort of the the most use of my new 3ds in the past few weeks has been ollie ollie (laughs) You know, um, because I beat like a Majora's Mask and, you know, I I normally play a lot of like Smash Brothers on it during my lunch break. But Ali Ali has become the new uh, lunch and toilet uh, game, <laughs> uh, for me um, on the PC side. I've been playing mostly a lot of point and clicks. Um, so I played the latest episode of Life is Strange as well as the latest two episodes of Game of Thrones. Oh, OK. Um, so I've definitely been in the telltale wheelhouse. Um, and I enjoy both. I enjoy both both uh, series a lot. Um, Telltale they still have not done any wrong for me since The Walking Dead. Um, I haven't tried Tales of the Borderlands yet, um, but you know I might try that even though I'm not the biggest fan of the you know of the of the uh, shooters. Mm-hmm. Um, but just I don't know. They just Telltale just has everything that I look for in like connecting the characters and wondering about w- what they can do, even though that. A lot of people have 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 said that their structure is kind of like DNA, where like you make all these like decisions, but they all kind of come back to the same point. So that if you play it kind of multiple times, it doesn't really, um, I guess, change the story in an extreme way. But to me, mm-hmm. because I usually only play through it once, it's a valid criticism. But 
it doesn't really affect my enjoyment of the game because I'm not I'm not the kind of gamer that says I have to see every ending so I'm going to play through with every like decision, you know. Do people really play Telltale games multiple times though? I'm wondering if that's a really a thing. I think it's a criticism I've seen a lot. Um is that well well like the decisions don't really matter that much because you come back to the same point. I don't think it represents the average you know, gamer that would play these kind of games. I don't think it, re- it represents their their uh, opinion, but I can see as a game journalist how, like, you know, like you're looking for something to criticize these games where, to me, there's not much you can criticize about them if you're into this style of game. So, you know, that is something that you can bring up as a con to them, but it doesn't affect my enjoyment of them at all. Yeah, I'm 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 excited for those games. I mean, I haven't I haven't gone back since the first um season of Walking Dead. I feel like I I feel like I missed and it was that conversation we had some episodes back about how the 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 changing of the platforms and what platform you played it on. I played everything on on a PS3 and then didn't have a chance to kind of go back because I had moved on to the to the newer platform. Um but I rebought it. And I don't know if I can go back there. I still don't know if I can go back through it and try to recreate all the decisions that I made because I liked where my story ended. You know what I mean? I feel like if if I felt like I was disappointed in the way that it ended, I probably would feel the need to go back. But it it doesn't it it doesn't have that kind of uh, feel and pull right now, especially because other stuff is coming out, the other stuff that I've been playing as well. So um, we'll see. I'm happy that 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 they're still making strides in that game. I think I saw someone play it the other day uh, on stream and I was like, wow, the the voice syncing is way better in Game of Thrones than I've seen in. Uh, most of the most of the uh, games in those series so uh, i'm excited to see how that works yeah it's way better i think mainly because of the tv adaptation they know that because people have been watching this and they have a standard for it Mm -hmm. um that they need to get it better because as much as i like life is strange and that's obviously not a telltale game but the syncing is not that great um but i think that you know there's nothing to compare it against so you know it's it's like a little different so what 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 what, what have you been playing man oh man so i have felt fallen down the bloodborne hole (laughs) which is really really bad and really really good not bad meaning bad but bad meaning good yeah what you gonna do with that There, there, there it is um yeah so i was afraid to play bloodborne actually like i've played i played uh the first souls game and didn't play the second because i was uber frustrated didn't want to fuck with it and i was like i'm not going to play this game because i'm just going to be mad but i would say this as far as bloodborne goes one it is the most accessible game in the in the series so far which is something i did not think that i would be able to say as a person and mind you i'm not i was never a person who was amazing at those games to begin with um but seeing that i'm able to progress uh, as much as I have now, mind you, I've died a lot. I wish that there was an actual, <laughs> there, I wish that there was an actual death counter in the game somewhere. I've died a ton. I've, I've been playing it since launch and I've died on some random shit. I've died on stuff that was me being frustrated and not playing the game in the way that it, that it's telling me that I need to play it. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a great discussion off offline, uh, yourself, uh, me and uh, Steve Lubitz of Isometric about our gripes and our thoughts and our kind of concerns about that game, which was which is really good because we all had lots of different perspectives on it. But um, 
I'm I'm liking the game because I finally feel like I can wrap my brain around the systems enough because mm-hmm. it was a lot of stuff in the in the early Souls games that was really ambiguous and they didn't want to tell you shit and they still don't really tell you much, but. The zeitgeist around the game, plus the menus are kind of uh, simplified and the system's a little bit simplified where you don't really need to to know, like, there's no hollowing in the game. So you don't have to worry about changing that state while you're playing so mm-hmm. that you have to worry about being in one versus the other and having those benefits and advantages or disadvantages. Um, the 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 way the game looks, the it is some of the most gorgeous if you can say that about a Souls game. Yeah, I was surprised. I, th- I thought it would be more grayish kind of from what I've seen at least. It is it is they have done some of the most amazing art design and creature design I've ever seen in any game. Wow. Okay. And and be- because it's it's small things like like the the monsters all look ridiculous, right? They all look stupid and they're all kind of dumb looking in the way that they're formed. But I say that in the respect of saying it fits the mode of the motif of what they're going for. It's like if you were to mismatch uh, any any human body with a with another with an animal body with the random things that you find thrown around in a garbage pile. Mm-hmm. It's like all those things combined that animate really well that are kind of terrifying too. It's like the sound design is great too. It's just all these small things that they've done to that game. Like it, it feels like fur feels like fur. It feels like hmm. things are wet. It feels like the, the things that you are expecting to see that they're trying to convey through their art comes across really really well and that was the thing that i noticed right in the beginning and i was like wow like this one monster that i just fought like it feels like the hair on this monster feels semi-real it feels way better than most of the stuff that i've seen people try to do in this realm with monsters like this so it feels good the combat feels good i'm learning about the systems i'm learning about how about how i'm also learning how to play the game while not being frustrated yeah it's and that's a thing too it's like you will get frustrated like I had to put it down I had to, I played it last night and I, I had to put it down because I I did I did something wrong mm-hmm. but I got punished for it in an unfair way so it was like I went I went to go kill a monster and my animations were such that I could have gotten extra hit in and I sh- and I did get that extra hit in but the amount of damage that that one monster did at the same time that I hit so we like hit at the same time mm-hmm. but his both his his or hers uh 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 damage wasn't did way more than mine did so it's like okay. their damage my damage meter got dropped my health meter got dropped down way before theirs did so it killed me and it was I had to then sit back and rethink of like my steps, right? Because I was like, all right. So I went down to this spot. I was at a level where I could probably be, probably kill most things. Mm-hmm. And then that one time where I felt myself getting frustrated, not frustrated, where I felt myself getting anxious and moving too quickly is when I died. Mm-hmm. And that was when I remembered that, oh, I need to be careful. Oh, I need to be present. I need to be thinking about things. Like, okay. the, uh, like Bl- Bloodborne isn't a game that you should be playing when you're tired. That you shouldn't be playing when you're tired. You should not be playing yeah. that game when you're tired. You should be. You, it's, yeah. it's a game where you need your mental focus and you need to be able to, to process the things that are happening around you. Yeah in a way that is which is some people would say that that's not fun you know what i mean like it's a lot of thought process going into into you playing a game um well go ahead, I, go ahead. I don't think that 
Because you hear that same thing about fighting games. Right. And I don't think anyone would say, well, obviously some people don't like fighting games, but I don't think there's a general <laughs> consensus that fighting games aren't fun. You know? Um, right. I also hear that about MOBAs and RTS type games like StarCraft, and those are like billion dollar esports communities, you know? Right. So I, I don't know. There's something else about Bloodborne, and I'm not sure what it is because. I've only played a couple of hours of Dark Souls One kind of recently, so I don't, I, I don't really have, I think, enough to form an opinion on it. But, do you, but, but let me let me ask you one question though. In your mind, is the purpose of the game to understand the system so well that you can progress without dying, or is dying always a part of it? Is like the game designed in your mind to always be a step ahead of you, so that you're always dying and being challenged by something that you shouldn't be able to beat when you encounter it the first or second time. I think that to a certain extent, death is definitely a mechanic that they, that they ride on. Right. It's, it's one and cause they, cause they give you options and ways to mitigate that while you're playing. So besides giving you health and all those kinds of things, you can bounce out of any room or any map and put yourself back at the checkpoint. So, and do the enemies do they respawn? They always respawn, which okay. is the thing. Which is which is the thing that I think is the actual reason why people don't like Souls games is the respawning. And I think that that's the thing that people because because it, it feels like you you haven't progressed, but you have progressed. The problem is that the way that it gives you progression is through the things that you're that you're that you're gaining in during your run. So it's like. Progress in a Souls game doesn't feel like you moving through a map. It feels like you getting enough souls to go back, re- revamp and re- retool yourself and rekit yourself so you can get a better weapon, you can get oh. more health or you can get more 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 stamina or, or boost whatever stat you need to boost so that when you go through again, you are more powerful, you can take more hits, you can dodge a little bit better, you have more stamina. That, you know, I've never heard it explained like that, but it makes sense. So like, I, So I played through the entire first um level of dark souls one right and when i first played it i mean these were against the first enemies i was getting destroyed mm-hmm. and in the i don't know if you remember the first level of dark souls one but as soon as you start you see the boss like sort of in this caged off area <laughs> right and he's huge and you first go and it's basically like run away from him you know right and it took me like about two hours to learn first of all how to get to him without dying right and then when I first approached him, I was on top of this, uh, you know, you, you might have seen the Instagram of this. I was on top of this platform and the boss just jumps up, smashes <laughs> the entire platform and you die. I was yep. like, what, what is going on here? And it felt really unfair, right? It felt super unfair. Right. And there was another part where I was going up these steps and a bowling, like a, like a boulder just came down and killed me. <laughs> yes. And, you know, it feels unfair, but at the same time, even though you go back to the checkpoint and everybody responds, you know those things are going to happen. Right, right, and, right. And it did feel like I learned, even though everything is responding, I learned something. You right. Know? And like and, 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 and like the couple of times I died on the boss, I, I said, you know, I felt like kind of, kind of how I felt on Metroid bosses. I was like, all right, I died, but I learned something. I know that I need to attack him in the booty. Right, right, right. right. It's all in the booty. Yeah, so like that's what I did is I rolled around and attacked him in the booty and like I beat it. So 
I feel like if that mentality is carried on throughout the entire game, just in, you know, more challenging like scenarios, I can definitely see the fun in that. So, but here's the thing and hashtag attack him in the booty. <laughs> but so, so that's the reason why when when I hear folks are frustrated with the game, I understand why. It's not like I'm it's not like I'm one of those cats who's like, this game is for fucking uber uber gamers, man. You don't know how to play it. It's your fault. But the game is hard. The game, but the game is also trying to teach you. It's trying to teach you in a way that you don't want to be taught, which is another part of the process. It was just like, right? It does. You don't. No one wants to. No one wants to 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 learn through getting beat down because that's not why you play video games, right? You want to be able to progress and you want to be able to finish things and you want to get to 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 feel like you've accomplished something. But people, it's it's the way that you view accomplishment is is what souls games turn on its head and that's that's the difference between why why it's more difficult to kind of get into them especially so but bloodborne i'll go back and and, and this is the thing that i'm learning because i again i didn't know that until i played this game mm-hmm. i didn't really i didn't really grasp that until i stopped i stopped thinking about what the game was doing wrong to me and then started thinking about what the game is trying to tell me mm-hmm. and then once i once i figured that out then I was like, "Oh, I, I, one, I, could, I shouldn't be here. <laughs> like, one, this is a spot that I'm not supposed to be at." And that was that was something you saw in the first Souls game. Was like, if you went up top, you were you were way better than if you went to the bottom right at the beginning of the yes. game where the skeletons were and they fucked you up. Yeah, that I did you know, that, but that, but even in that game, it felt it felt unfair. Like it didn't feel like I'd ever be able to get to get through that part. What Bloodborne does is one. You don't have to worry about the hollowing stuff. Two, once you learn the system of uh, summoning people into your game, mm-hmm. you can like I and maybe this is maybe this is not the way you're supposed to play it, but I don't care. <laughs> is I've summoned people for for virtually like every every super hard boss fight, mm-hmm. and it's made the game way more enjoyable in that respect. Like I I there was one dude as soon as I first played the game that killed me at least 20 times wow. and this was in the first it was in the first but this, is, but this is my, but this is the thing though it was my fault I didn't understand the systems yet and because that dude was like way OP to be in that part in part of the map mm-hmm. but he's supposed to be OP so that you know that you have to do certain things to get there and it, it, it does a lot of other stuff it's like Bloodborne people will mob you it's not like the it's not like where you can take one person at a time. You can you can throw a pebble at someone and then it'll it'll aggro them and they'll come over and you can try to pick them off one by one. Right. But for the most part you will get mobbed in sections of Bloodborne, which is which is cool. The other part is the the summoning is great. There's this other uh, there's this other aspect to it that I'm still trying to figure out, which which makes me really uh, interested in and is intriguing is the the insight system. So the insight system you have this thing with that's called frenzy mm-hmm. um so frenzy happens if your insight is too high but the game wants you to have insight okay. which is very very interesting you get it by these like these little uh, skulls or whatever that you find in the game mm-hmm. so from what i've seen and i'm not sure because i still haven't wrapped my brain fully around it yet is it tweaks the game in in various ways like one i randomly died with mm-hmm. frenzy, so frenzy will start, and you'll y- your health will just drop. You'll go to like almost like ten percent health. Oh sometimes my, wait, that, wait, it'll drop by ten percent or drop it to ten percent. 
two ten percent. Oh my god! <laughs> random, random, and I don't know why that works. I don't know why. That, I don't know if that's a bug. I don't know if that's a thing that's supposed to happen. Like I was walking into this one section of this map, and a portal opened and threw me into the air, and I died. Wow. No explanation, no reason, no nothing. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck was that about? That made no sense. <laughs> but then I looked at some YouTube videos and there was a tweak in some of the enemies the higher your insight went, which was kind of dope. So it was like there are these um these grave these uh undertakers, right? Mm-hmm. Um and they wrestle you and then they they lose at WrestleMania and that's what happens. Nice. Uh, or WWWB. Is is there Paul Bearer in this game? Paul Bearer, rest in peace, Paul Bearer. I love yeah. you, dude. Um, he's not in the game, but oh, that would have been that would have been a cool addition. Yeah. Maybe he'll come up in Mortal Kombat X. Anyway, oh, sm- smashing him with the urn. Yo, that would be dope. Oh, <laughs> yes. that'd be dope. That'd be dope. <laughs> um, so they carry these lanterns and these lanterns have like a little blue light on it whatever so the higher your insight goes these light these lanterns they don't do anything when you're at the lower level but in the in the higher level with the insight they shoot out little orbs of light that try to kill you they track you and try to kill you and it's like small tweaks like that where the enemies change because of this insight meter that you have with insight number that you have feels like are you supposed to get more insight? Does this make your game harder? Are you not supposed to get more insight? Supposedly, it's a part of the story in the way that, that the, the the kind of lore works. I haven't figured out what it actually means in the grand scheme yet. But it seems like it's something that I want to explore and, and, and mess around with. So Bloodborne is that so far. I haven't been invaded yet. I haven't invaded someone else yet. The bosses are really freaking dope. Uh, the art direction is dope. Okay. It feels like a good game. It's really hard. I would say give it a try, though. I don't say... I would say mm-hmm. don't be afraid to 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 take yourself out of your comfort zone, knowing that you're going to be frustrated, but still play it. And then make a decision off of that. Don't let the don't let the 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 lore of it being hard and being unforgiving be the thing that keeps you away from it. I would say try it if you can rent it, see if you can do that, then or, or borrow it or, or or share play it with somebody. Yeah, else. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Take yourself out of your comfort zone for sixty is tough. Um, but like, if you could share play it or rent or I just wish this is a perfect kind of game for a demo. Um, but, but you can't. But you like, can't demo this game. Like you can demo it for the, for the um, mechanics, and to look at it. But by the time, but the length of a demo for you to really understand what you what you need to be doing, there's not enough not enough demo for that. Okay, gotcha. All right, makes sense. Um, so I've been playing that. I've been playing some Hell Divers, which is really good. Um, so I started playing Hotline Miami too. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't like it. <laughs> I liked the first one, um, but I feel like I might have outgrown that game. Like I've outgrown the, the the like the humor. And mind you, I'm a person who loves gore. I love gory shit. I love gory movies. I love Mortal Kombat. It's my favorite game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for this, it feels unre- it feels unnecessary. Well, is it more that you've seen it before in the first one, or that it's just done worse? Or it's done the same, you know? It's not doing yeah, it's not doing anything different. It's it has new mechanics in it. Like you can dual wield stuff now. You have like tandems and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. one dude has a chainsaw, one dude has a gun. But the even the story itself doesn't feel interesting. Like the first one felt interesting because you we were like, why are these people doing all this crazy shit? Mm-hmm. This one doesn't feel like that. It it yeah. just it just feels like killing for the sake of killing, which I'm okay with, but you have to 
make it compelling in some way and it doesn't feel compelling at all. So, yeah, yeah. That, that's interesting. I mean, I didn't even think of trying it because I didn't like the first one. Um, but like I had been reading a lot of reviews, which were pretty much echoing what you're saying that it's just not grabbing them. And, you know, they think it's kind of an unnecessary sequel. Yeah, I'm not I'm not really enjoying it. I've I tried to play it a couple of times and it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel good. Like it feels it feels like that they're reaching for some for some audience that is not there and it's interesting because it's like we when people started talking about hatred mm-hmm. you know I, I it's an unpopular opinion um but i'm like i'm fine with that game being out in the world i actually want to play that game i think that that game may be interesting in some ways but even that game feels like it has more quote unquote heart than hot hot miami does if that's if that makes sense i don't know well I'm fine with hatred. I mean, obviously, you can't stop someone from making it. I'm perfectly okay though with Steam. You know, well, I don't. I, th- I think it might have got back on there, but I'm I'm perfectly fine with a platform saying we don't want this kind of stuff on there. Like, of course, anybody can develop whatever they want and release it. You know, just release the executable or whatever. But you know, it's the channels that can make their own decisions, whether it's Desora or Steam or whatever. But yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I've I haven't played two again, so I can't comment on the heart of it. But that's that's an interesting comparison. Yeah, that, that's the first thing I thought. I was like, because it's about the killing, right? It's about the the visceral parts of you kill, going through and killing things in some in some really awful ways. But it's also like Hotline Miami had a fairly mm, uh, kind of interesting story, but we'll see. I don't know how that's well, going to work out. But is Miami like killing innocent civilians? Um, because as far as I know, that's all hatred is about. I mean, it's police officers, like police officers who didn't really do anything to you, yeah. but you're a mass murderer. Yeah, I feel like know? that's different. Like, I don't know. It's the, not like it's not like people in the street. Like the right. video of hatred is like screaming civilians. Like it is. Yeah, I mean that too. They, you yeah. know what? That's true too. Like the like the people in Hotline Miami don't emote in that way. They don't make noises like that. They don't really do that. They're all kind of like faceless avatars that kind of walk around and and follow a pattern. But I get I get, I get what you mean when you put it that way. Yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah. Are you playing anything else? Um. Yeah, man. Um. I am. I mean, this kind of div- dives into some of the Nintendo stuff I was talking about. I mean, that I will talk about later. But um, been playing a lot of Mario Kart Eight. Um, because. They're coming out with some new DLC soon and, and a faster um, mode. So to get myself kind of ready for that, I've been playing a lot more of like Mario Kart 8. And it is just such a fantastic game. If you like the kart games, it really, playing it now again, it really is the best Mario Kart game ever made. Wow. Um, which is hard to say because I really, really love the Nintendo 64 version, um, which is previously my favorite. But this this is just really good. <laughs> it's damn, really, damn. really good. And the online works really, really well. Um, obviously they don't have the voice chat and stuff, which they still need. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's a great game and I can't wait for the new DLC that they're coming out with later. That's, that's badass. I'm, I'm happy that, that you're still playing that game. It feels like, you know, I hadn't seen you talk about it really or play or maybe play around with it since sport uh, spawn for good, but I'm happy that you're still messing around with it. Yeah. I mean, smash brothers kind of took over for a long while. Um, but that, but like this is the good thing though. I mean, if you're in the Wii U ecosystem, there are enough games that you don't have to keep playing the same game, you know, over and over again, like, you know, so, so I've been switching off 
quite a bit. Um, and to Mike Bithel's point, you know, I have a ton of indies on the Wii U. I mean, that's honestly my preferred platform for indies, mostly because of the gamepad, because I usually like to play indies in the bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, they tend to scale better to the gamepad. So, so yeah. Yeah. And a quick shout out to uh, the mobile space. I'll, I'm going to pull my, I'm going to do my best. Uh, Jessica Dennis, Jess, Jessica Dennis and Anna Tarkov, my, my unconsolable uh, teammates, um, buy uh, UltraFlow. UltraFlow on iOS is really dope. Mm-hmm. I, I won't give you more information on that. I'll just tell you to buy it. It's dope. Yeah. Yep. It's really fun. Alto's Adventure as well. I, yeah. I'm dying to play that. iOS is really, really fun. Um, it technically is an endless runner, but it's a really well done one. Really well done. Word. Um, people who are not going to be endlessly running is going to be on live. <laughs> nice. Yes. <laughs> they are not going to endlessly run. They're going to endlessly run into oblivion. Into a brick wall. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I remember when the beta came out. And I was like excited for it. And I was like, yeah, I want to try it and test it out and, and all that stuff. And it worked really well. Um, I really dug it. But I always in the back of my mind figured that it wasn't going to last. And as we've seen by the news that we've had this week by Sony buying them out, we see that that has come to fruition. <laughs> I'm glad that you were optimistic about it because I didn't like when I first was using it, it did not run well. Right. Not that it didn't run it okay it didn't it didn't run well for what a PC gamer expects the fidelity of a game to be right that to me was the whole issue is that it was aiming for people that game on PCs I don't think it was ever aimed like hey console gamers you can game on the PC right I think it was really aimed for an alternate way for PC gamers to 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 play and rent games and just play pay like a monthly fee. And I could just never get the fidelity that I could get with a local game. And that, to me, is what killed it. Plus the fact that it landed, because it started kind of like, you know, in a time where the speeds aren't where they are now as well. So, yeah, it was it, it, it was a little bit before its time. Um, I, I still think that the idea is awesome. Obviously, Gaikai and stuff, um, you know, are trying to like do this on the Sony side. And obviously this is going to be integrated somewhat into that. Um, but I mean, like cloud gaming is going to happen. I just feel like this wasn't the right time to do it. I mean, it was going to be for me. It was because I've never really had a gaming PC. I bought I bought one PC once. It was a shitty gateway machine that I was going to try to run Crisis on, which was the, the dumbest thing on the planet once Crisis was like, there's no machine that can run this game. <laughs> you must have NASA credentials to run this game. Um, yeah, it, it's still hard, even with machines now, to run Crisis at full like fidelity yeah and I, I bought a i bought a new gateway and it had a dope card in it for that time and the crisis was like nah son <laughs> i don't know what you think you're doing um but it was but it, but it was going to be my thing to try to get into the pc side of playing stuff because i didn't have any other way to really do it i didn't really have a rig so it was going to be the thing that i was going to do um what made it cool was the thing that I really liked about it was the viewing options of stuff. That was what made it feel like a futuristic platform was the fact that you could watch people play stuff. You could like spectate and, and look at games before, you know, buying them. And that stuff was like amazing. Yeah. 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 I, I, I mean, I think that the broadcast functionality in Steam now where you can basically any game on there, you can see other people playing it right now like that comes directly out of on live, you know, and in terms of the idea of it, like that is something I used 
on live for a lot. And like, I love the presentation where you would log on. It would just be a grid of games playing in real time. Oh yeah. That was amazing. And then like, if you clicked on one, it would just zoom into it and it would be right there at the same point. Like it was pretty incredible. Yeah. It was stuff that, and that was what I was hoping, you know, looking for what Sony and Microsoft were talking about as far as cloud platforms go of what they were going to be doing. Like you'd be able to streamline and, 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 um, and spectate things in a way that you haven't done before. Um, but it's it's interesting to see where things have kind of gone in that space, and you see Gaikai has 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 been bought, but not, nothing has really happened yet. Um, yeah, yeah um, I, I don't know if like you, if like you had a chance to try the broadcasting mode on uh, Steam, but I found it really useful now because I don't need a demo; I can just go on to say, "Oh, hey, Elite Dangerous just just like came out. Let me check like somebody that just started playing." So like I don't get kind of the snazzy trailer where like everything is perfect and stuff. I can. You know, I can see like a real person playing and see how it is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be one of those things where, I, and this is, I guess again, it feels like Sony is is trying to solidify their ability to kind of move in that space, and and basically like make their back end again hashtag attack the booty, um, <laughs> make their make their back end more more solid, and and hopefully this will kind of give us newer things that they'll be able to play around with in the, in the space. I'm hoping and trying to see if that's going to be stuff that, you know, maybe backwards compatibility will actually be something in the future. They talked about that a lot. Maybe that's all the patents that they bought are just going to uh, solidify their PlayStation now stuff. There's a lot of things that it could be. We just don't know what yet. Yeah. That that would be really great because I really think all of these systems should have something similar to the virtual console. Like they really, should have access to these, you know, great um, past games. Um, and, you know, and they could still do the remasters and, and like that kind of stuff. But I think it's a shame, like when you said, like with Walking Dead and stuff, how you upgrade the platform and, you know, and it's a, a, a pain to try to carry over stuff, you know, or like you can't, you know, when, when um, I was playing like Guitar Hero 3 on the Wii U during Spawn for Good, a lot of people in the chat were like yo like i upgraded to ps4 and xbox one i can't play guitar hero anymore right you know, right like, right so it, it's you know for sort of the history and longevity of gaming plus introducing maybe people that haven't had a chance to play those older consoles to stuff you know it's 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 great because right now you know if if you want to play you know uncharted 2 you know, like, like you better have a PS3 handy. Yeah, it sucks because it's funny too. Because I was thinking, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday about um, really wanting to play 4AM. It was a game that mm-hmm. no one bought except for me and Garnet Lee. Um, <laughs> and it was, it was. I still am like fiending to play that game, so I'm like dying to get a PS3 just to get that game back in my library. So you know, get that virtual stuff going, boys. Hurry it up. Get it going. So our last story of the, well, our last story story before we have our, our last bit of info, uh, our, our info info that we've been talking about and kind of hinting at on, on Twitter all week um, is the Nintendo Direct stuff. So if you want to go into some of that, Reef, you can bust that out. Yeah. So um, Nintendo, they really had a lot of pressure on them with this Direct because they recently talked about how, you know, Zelda Wii U, which they promised for 2015 um along with star fox as well like they literally got on camera and said it's definitely coming 2015 they delayed it now it's not bad you know it's not uncommon for you know a triple a game to get delayed these days but given nintendo's financial state 
given the fact that they just returned to profitability with, you know, with a Mario Kart and Smash Brothers, you know, I think it it's it's a blow. So I feel like they really had to show that they still have, you know, a good lineup for the rest of the year. Um, so I think that they did a good job by announcing a whole bunch of downloadable content content for both Smash Brothers and for Mario Kart. So they're keeping like the life cycle of like a, of like those going, and and the attach rates on this DLC is very very high um, because like people that have these games, you know, they they like really like them a lot, and they know that like Nintendo, you know, they're just now kind of figuring out that they can make money off a of DLC. Like they really didn't have that in their back pocket um, before. So like uh, that was a great way to kind of start off the news. Um, they also announced that they'll finally have some Nintendo 64 and DS games on, on the virtual console. Kind of weird for the DS games. Like you kind of like you play them on the game pad since it has like the uh, touch screen on it. But I think it's good that they're trying um, because Again, they have this vast library, and they really need to be expanding all of it. Um, still hope that they do this subscription service thing. And I think <laughs> that they'll do it, um, but like that would be even more of that. But but the news as far as you know the rest of the year is so they confirmed a release date for Mario Maker. You know where you can create like your levels and stuff in September, um, which is a game that got you know a lot of positive reviews out of E3. Um, and I hope it's something that they can, you know, expand to their other franchises as well. Um, and and Yoshi's Woolly World, they also confirmed in the uh, fall, and they confirmed their big kind of uh, spring release Splatoon, which was, you know, their their like multiplayer. I guess you can call it a shooter, um, <laughs> uh, ink shooter, um, on uh, May 29th. Um, so like that's basically three really, really large games, um, you know, and each of these games is like going to have their own line of Amiibo, which we know has been making them money hand over fist. Amiibo crack. Um, and you know, I, you know, might own about 15 Amiibos myself. Are you serious? Um, yeah. They look so cool. Man, they got you. They look so cool. Um, you know, um, yeah. And I mean, the functionality of them is honestly not much, but I mainly bought them because you know they're well crafted, you know, toys basically, and 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 like I own a a lot a lot of uh, figures as as well. Um, and they also talked about a, a new Fire Emblem game in uh, 2016. And I'm you know I'm not that big of a Fire Emblem fan or a Xenoblade Chronicles fan, which they also talked about. But it's good to have that diversity of the big RPGs and the action adventure games that are really lacking on um, on uh, Nintendo platforms in general. So overall, I think that, you know, they showed a pretty strong commitment f- for the major games. And they also showed a bunch of like indie games that like are also coming in the next few months, including ones, you know, that like people know, like Never Alone and Octodad and, and like that kind of stuff, but like they also have you know like some like originals. I mean, basically anything that's made on the Unity engine um, can be ported over to the Wii U. I I don't want to say easily because I'm not a developer, but like there's definitely you know um, you know there's a built-in pathway to do that. Um, so um, yeah, I I thought that it was you know that 
it was a good bounce back um, after the uh, you know after the Zelda news, um, and I also think that with the initial news that their their um, mobile partnership with like a DNA um, that the DNA CEO actually said that you know they want around twenty million dollars a month from the partnership, which again I think you know is kind of strategic wording with the want. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't talk about any, you know, forecasting data or actual, you know, stuff to back that up. But like, <laughs> we have numbers that mean things and numbers that yeah, mean things. Exactly. It's like, hey, I want a Lamborghini. Okay, there we go. Um, yeah, but it is a CEO of a publicly traded company going on record, which is important, especially in a culture like uh, Japan, where they really, you know, do hold people accountable for that stuff. Um, and the fact that Nintendo has an ownership stake in in like DNA means that, you know, they're going to make money regardless of whether the Nintendo properties, you know, do well or not. Um, and I do think that the Nintendo, I'm not going to be around the bush. I think that these mobile n- Nintendo games are not going to be that good. I think they're going to be exactly what you're used to just with Nintendo IP on it. They're not going to have sort of, you know, the charm and stuff that you expect from a Nintendo um, game on a console. Um, but at this point, like Nintendo, you know, really needs to get his financial situation under control. So I think that having that infusion of, of money from that will keep the stockholders happy, allow Nintendo to like a focus more on their console games as well as the like development of the of the NX console. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. So I think that you know they showed that they are you know making an effort to both release um, these like these like smaller third party games and indie games as well as make sure that their first party stuff um is like you know is like coming out in a reasonable time Mm -hmm. um i mean the zelda thing is a big loss i think because that definitely would have been a great holiday title um as much as i love splatoon i don't know if that'll be really a system seller i think it would i think it'll sell well but it won't be something that'll get people that aren't already converted over on the Wii U side to buy it like a Zelda game would. Um, but you know, I, I think it's all, uh, it's pretty positive in terms of the, uh, news that they released. Do you think that, that, that will satiate the Nintendo fans? Do you think that they came away feeling, feeling good about their stuff? I think it'll definitely satiate people that have Wii U's already. Um, my issue is that there's only a few games that will get people to buy consoles and one of them already came out which is smash brothers and the other one is zelda um and i think that the longer they push off zelda the longer that they're going to really see a increase in console sales um so i think that you know their like numbers are definitely better than they were last year and as i said before they are you know they're not in the red anymore so they are making money and the dna stuff will like definitely help with that um but to really see a big uptick it's really going to take that uh zelda game um so yeah it's 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 like kind of weird because they're kind of you know like i don't think there's ever going to be a chance where they're ever going to catch like microsoft and sony in terms of sales or like money but in terms of making sure that the wii u was a good investment and that they are going to make money off of it i think they are making the right moves there. They just need to get that Zelda game out. Word. I can, I, that's not much more I can say on that. Cause that's exactly what needs to happen. Exactly. What needs to happen. Um, 
we had one thing that actually happened. Um, Brother Tao Su uh, on Twitter, who is the, I want to call him the, the Japanese correspondent for Bracago. Nice. Um, he, he let us know, I think, an episode ago that it's pronounced Dina as not DNA. So that, that he would know better than we would. So I'm going to defer to him and thank him for that info. So Dina as, as opposed to DNA, which makes me not like it now. Anyway. Yeah. Th- thanks for telling me that after the, the Nintendo segment, too. That's great. I, I forgot. I forgot about it. I, it's not. I, I didn't. I didn't do it to like to poop on you. You're embarrassed. You you did it to make me embarrass myself in front of our Japanese correspondent. Hashtag now, attack in the butt. I feel like now, like the exchange rates to Bracago are going to be all screwed up. Like the tourism from Japan is going to go down because we're mispronouncing this stuff. You're sinking this nation. I am not. I'm trying to just. I'm. I'm doing. I'm correcting the record. That's all I'm doing. That's all, all I'm right. doing. I'm setting the record straight and just making sure that people aren't mad at us and think that we're not on point. That's it. Making sure people aren't mad at you. Me, on the other hand. <laughs> Everybody, <laughs> shut the hell up. Everybody loves you. Shut the hell up. Shut, no one. No one could ever be mad at Sharif Jackson. People love you. I don't no, know. I the to, people hate me. They talk about my ankle when I'm not here. Fuck those people. Uh, yeah, they they do do that. People, uh, people on this show named Cicero talked about my ankle when I wasn't even here. I I might have done that as well. Yeah, I know you did. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say a word. It's okay. Um, so our last bit of info this for this episode and actually for this week is uh, a little bit of um, some news that has nothing to really do with gaming in the same way that you would think it would, but more about us as a as a group and as spawn on me um we are going to do our first and only big ask uh this is going to be an equipment ask uh this is going to be uh, i'm sorry an ask for funds for equipment uh we're calling this the spawn on me future fund uh what we want to do is we're looking to hopefully um raise six thousand dollars we want to raise six thousand dollars because we need equipment like i need a gaming pc uh so that we can finally start uh, talking to devs on the PC side, and it's not something that we have to kind of shy away from. Now we will be able to play. I'll be able to play some games and kind of get that together. But also, I want that machine to be beefy enough that I'll be able to do some other things that I've been trying to do and wanting to do for a long time, which is both stream and also do some a little bit of video production for us here at Spawn on Me. So um, we, I did a little bit of that uh, for a Spawn Point blog and in, in, back in the day, and it worked out really well, and people kind of gravitated towards it. So um, stuff like that. Uh, we're going to need um, some new microphones, hopefully, uh, in, in the near future, uh, the ability to kind of bring in some more people locally and maybe some other folks uh, across, across the way uh, remotely, Hopefully doing that, we need a new mixer for that, uh, kind of adding some more information into the mix. Also, we're hoping to have some of that as like maintenance money for when things break, uh, the ability to kind of get some of those things repaired. Uh, also, we're hoping to go to some cons and having some money, you know, that all costs money for travel and things like that. Small, small ins and outs, but also, again, this is going to be a one-time ask. So this ask is going to happen once. Uh, there are other ways that if you'd like to help support us, we do have merch that just went up, which a lot of people have been buying, and that's been really awesome. We may we may tool around with the idea of a Patreon if you'd like to do something small increments a month. That may be something as well. But right now, this one ask is for uh, this one lump sum uh, for this one period. 
so that we can get everything that we need to get to kind of solidify everything that we've been trying to do. We feel that we're getting bigger. We feel like we're growing the community. And with that growth is also the want to kind of grow, grow our own ambitions and kind of get things um, popping in a way that we haven't had a chance to do yet because of lack of funds. So uh, the, you'll see a link uh, in the show notes. Uh, we'll be able to put that up. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a link to those show notes. You can find those at esn.fm slash spawn on me slash 56 because we're going to do them per episode. Uh, every every new episode will have show notes in that format. Um, so, again, it's like, uh, you know, a lot of things have happened in the fa- in the past year. Uh, ESN has been a new thing. Uh, we've had some amazing guests that we've been able to bring to you. Uh, and we kind of want to move forward. We want to we want to be even better. We want to blow out Spawn for Good. We have so many ideas for Spawn for Good. It's not even crazy. It's not even it's not even like a joke. We have so many things that we want to do for Spawn for Good uh, that help the community at large and also help um, to kind of make gaming better. We want to we want to do all these things and, and and get them together and push them out into the world and make what we do and your connection to that uh, really come to fruition. Um, oh, the last thing, uh, is we're looking to revamp our home spawn spawn point blog has been a good thing, uh, for a long time. That was something that we've done, uh, gosh, four years, like four years ago. Um, but that needs to be revamped. That needs to be tightened up and, and made better so that if you do want to enjoy our work, uh, in a better format, you can do that via our new site. Uh, that costs money, that costs development time, that costs people kind of going through and doing it both on the artistic and the functional side. So, um, again, uh, I, I want to reemphasize and, 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 and make sure that everyone understands that we're not trying to be greedy. Uh, we want we want to do this. This is the longevity of our show that we're talking about. This is for for now and for the future of this fund. Um, and, you know, once this one time ask is over, that'll be it. All the rest of it will be funded by us and by donations by you. If you'd like to do that via merch or any other of the other donation things that, that uh, may come up in the future. But word. Uh, I want to say thank you for everyone who has been uh, supportive of us and has pushed us and, and shared our show and you know, gave us good words and gave us hugs and all that good stuff when we see you. Uh, it's been amazing that we've grown this community in such a short time and that it's such a, such a really strong and, and supportive of each other and, and, and our work and of all the other people that we brought on the show. Uh, it's been even better than I could have ever, ever imagined. And we hopefully will only get bigger, better and stronger and, and have our name out there even better uh, better known than it already is. Bricago will be a thing that will be a force to reckon with. Uh, so if you don't have anything else to add to that reef, we're going to boogie up out of here. No, man, I, I think that's it. You, you know, just uh, give to a good cause, y'all, so that, you know, we could just make things better for the people. Thank you guys for listening. This has been episode 56 of the Spawn on Me podcast. And if you want show notes from this show, you can go to esn.fm slash spawn on me slash 56. And you'll be able to see all the show notes for all the dopeness that is happening in Bricago on our new home of esn.fm. Word, word, and word. So until then, thank you again for listening. We will see you back here next week. We will say peace. Peace out, y'all.